This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my good friend Michael Phillip. How's it going today, brother? It is going well, man. As I said, things are a little interesting and novel for me right now. So, yeah. So I can't complain, man. I can't complain. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to get into um, the YouTubes uh, here in a little bit, but I know we had kind of passed notes back and forth about talking about the Damon as we open this conversation. Um, and just to give a little backstory, you know, you, you're Michael from Third Eye Drops, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, you know, we've done stuff together for years now, and we're about to hang later this week. So I look forward to seeing you in person, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. It'll be fun. For the listeners, definitely go check out Third Eye Drops, an incredible podcast. Um, actually a big inspiration for, for my podcast. So thanks for doing everything you do, man. Thank you, brother. And and you're you're growing into your own thing. I'm stoked for you. Thank um, you. Like we were just talking about before, you know, and I, I didn't say this and I don't mean to like turn this all pep talky, but <laughs> my little tiny modicums of success uh, haven't taught me anything other than a lot of my other friends who are creative, like you, you have everything it takes, dude. You have everything it takes to do something successful. It's just figuring out like how to configure all of those little creative elements and talents you already have in the in a way that will resonate. And then yeah. being consistent and then just executing and executing. Like that, Absolutely. like there's, like I was telling, and, and again, we don't have to go here and I don't by any means want to like sound like I'm <laughs> humble bragging or any of that shit. But when I do, when I have had things that pop off, it's like there's no difference between the thing that popped off and the things that didn't. It's like me doing the same thing, taking a swing, trying, and mm -hmm. once in a while, it's like, oh, that swing was a fucking home run. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones aren't, or they're singles or doubles or strikeouts. Sure. You know, it's just, that's that's really the game. And I think anybody who right. is detached from that reality has either been successful for so long that they forget that, or they're mm -hmm. like, they gave up or yeah. whatever it is, man, like that. That's really my honest assessment of where of what it, what it's like. That's amazing, man. I do appreciate the the kind words, but I was going to say it's funny how that that's also in in several forms of art, um, like an album for mm -hmm. music, uh, you know, from a musician. Sometimes they'll say, "This is going to be the single. This is yeah. the one everyone's going to love." No one loved that one. They loved this other one that they didn't even like. The band it was yeah. like Dude, that was the weakest track on the album, and that's the one that blew up. You know what it's I mean? So weird, yeah. Yeah, so, you hear those stories where it's like, we almost didn't put this on the album and the song's right. called Hey Jude or something like that, you know? <laughs> right. I don't remember if that's true with Hey Jude, but it's it's exactly. stuff like that, yeah. It is, you know? So it's just about, yeah, staying consistent and, and the market's going to do what the market's going to do. But as long as, no. you know, you're tying in that passion um, and continuing on that and you made the album and now one of the songs might blow up on the album, I mean... That's the work of it, you know, yeah. and and a lot of this work is being driven by what we might call the daemon, which kind of gets us into this first topic. Um, mm -hmm. Would you explain for the listeners what the daemon is, where that yeah. originates from? Yeah, so I'll explain how I was turned on to the idea and also a bit more of the history of the idea to contextualize mm -hmm. the whole thing. So I was aware of the fact that, you know, we hear of these things called demons and demons as we view them from a modern perspective through like kind of a Judeo-Christian lens 
is not how they've always been perceived throughout mm-hmm. human history. Mm-hmm. I was aware of that. And I was aware that there was this sort of transition from them being these spirits, like more like spirits, to these malevolent creatures from the pits of hell that like rebelled against God or whatever and cast down into the, you know, the abyss. So I knew that, but what I did not know is that through antiquity, daimon or daimones were viewed as this sort of, they weren't good, they weren't evil. They were essentially this kind of neutral band of Mm. spirits that existed between the human world and the transcendent world. And the daimon is sort of like the go-between being that's connected to both worlds. So I said they're neither good nor bad. I guess if you dig into it, some are good, some are bad, some are neutral, some they kind of have some have their own agenda. Mm -hmm. But where this gets into, you know, as you were alluding to creativity and this sort of personal relationship with a daimon, I was turned on to this idea by one of my biggest influences, the psychologist. James Hillman. And Hillman wrote this book called Soul's Code. And Soul's Code's about a lot of things, but if I had to nutshell it, and I've probably talked about it on your podcast before because it is such an impactful book on my own Mm -hmm. worldview and my own sort of, um, I don't know if I'd say ontology because it's not (laughs) entirely necessary that these things really exist, Mm -hmm. but it's a helpful way for me to make sense of the world, think about the world, think about my consciousness, whatever. Right. And essentially what he proposes is what he calls the, the myth of the acorn. And Godzi talks about this too, but Mm -hmm. it's this idea that you come into this world with immense potential in the same way that an acorn can become an oak tree. You already have all of the blueprint of who you are. It just needs to germinate, mature, grow, and it will one day be this huge, sprawling, beautiful oak tree. Mm-hmm. And the keeper of that wisdom inside of you is the diamond. Mm-hmm. And to explain why that is, we got to go a little bit deeper back into the lore. And where Hillman got this idea of the acorn becoming the oak tree is again from the ancient Greeks. So again, like I said, in the ancient world, the Greeks, everyone knew what a daimon was. It's like talking about an angel now. Like we just, mm. we get it. Like it's it's colloquially used, it's in the vernacular. Right. And the original version of this acorn myth comes from Plato, famous, you know, probably the most yeah. famous philosopher in history other than um, his teacher Socrates or his student Aristotle. Mm-hmm. And... The Platonic myth is that when you are incarnating or reincarnating and you're in the transcendent realm, there's this whole process of how your next incarnation is essentially chosen and clothed in the, in its next iteration. And it has a lot to do with a, a process that sounds very much like karma and like the things mm-hmm. you did in the previous life determine how you're going to be born into the next life. Right. And in this process of bodily, you know, in, in a body, mm-hmm. you lose all of your memories. And there's a whole myth, like, like I said, that goes along with this and why, but it has to do with the fates and it has to do with like 
passing through these archetypal sort of planes of energy or rivers as you come into being. But before you go through that process, you select a daimon. Mm. So you select a spirit, essentially, to guide you and keep your fate, even though you will not remember it. This spirit that's attached to you for your whole life does remember it and does know. Mm. So the idea then is that the daimon speaks to you in moments of great importance or serves as a sort of conscience. And so like there's a lot of famous cases of Socrates speaking to his daimon. Mm -hmm. And Socrates would say that the daimon never tells him what to do, but it tells him what not to do. So when you feel like a strong sense of like, this is not for me, like I like this is, I should not be going in this direction. That could be your daimon sending emotional pangs, sending intuitions, sending insights. Right. Um, and man, that, that made so many things connect for me because I've always had this strong inner compass of like, mm-hmm. I don't belong in this. Like, you know, yeah. I quit my day job. Mm-hmm. about six months ago now and it, man it just that thing was always present of like what are you doing here this is not right. you this is not your gift this is not what you're supposed to be doing uh right. if i can say something as grandiose is that we have some purpose but i think we do it, it certainly feels like we do and, and i think <laughs> and i think life makes a lot more sense when you operate as if you do so so that right. so that's kind of the gist i, I think i sort of perhaps yeah, not it. in the most straightforward way explained it but i think i I covered most of the bullet points there absolutely absolutely yeah when i first learned about it i think it was between you and eric godsey on your show and he kept saying my damon my damon i was like i I have to rewind what is it what are they talking about you know and i remember going back and eventually i i start to understand it's some type of guiding force Mm -hmm. um and you know (laughs) It, it originates in ancient Greece. Is that right? Yeah, I think daimones or di- daimon is a Greek word. Yeah. Yeah. And so it felt like part of the mythology, the mythos of ancient Greece, uh, which I resonate with mostly due to the games I grew up playing, you know, things like Elder Scrolls and Skyrim. They, they seem to have a large kind of ancient Greece inspiration with like the statues and the gods and yeah the way it all just like just the feeling of the culture of the game it feels you know they they explore a lot like into the norse and into Mm -hmm. the roman and into greece and 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 all that but i don't know i remember being attracted to the idea and wanted to learn more so i dived in um to pretty much every episode between you and eric and then his his podcast as well, and then we even did that project, Myths in Mind, um, where we we kind of illustrate uh, through animation these types of ideas that that we're exploring today on this podcast. So definitely recommend y'all checking out Myths in Mind if you haven't seen it yet. But so it feels to me like the daemon is linked to the intuition. Is it? Is it the intuition? Is it maybe the function that causes us to have intuitions? I don't think we s- sit around all day having intuitions. Intuitions come here and there. Like a couple, like a synchronicity will line up or a certain event will unfold and you'll get this, this aha, 
like this insight, this like creative problem solving yeah. popping up into our brain. We call it the intuition, but you know, in a sense, is that maybe what the daemon is? Is the daemon our intuition or is it linked? Or what do you think about that? I think it's for sure linked. What what I think is important is that when we use some of these big qualitative words like intuition, we really like take apart what are we saying when we're saying intuition? Because mm-hmm. you know that I love the qualitative, the subjective, the psychological, psychical stuff. But I also think it's incredibly important to try to get as precise as you possibly can about what you're talking about because this is not some shit we can weigh on a scale and say this is intuition this is not mm-hmm. you know because a lot of people probably use intuition where they should be saying bias you know like <laughs> oh i don't know my intuition is telling me i should buy this car you know like <laughs> i don't think that's intuition i think that's mm-hmm. bias i think that's emotional emotions masquerading as bias or as right. as intuition rather so i think i think we need to get like clear about that first and foremost of like right. what's intuition versus what's bias or emotionally clothed bias or whatever right. and that's a difficult piece of discernment to make for sure yeah. one thing coming up just as a quick example as to what an intuition might be or feel like so i went to a yoga retreat several years ago and as I was leaving the yoga, as I was leaving my house to drive to the yoga retreat in my van, something told me I should go inside and get the uh, air inflator pump. Um, I don't know why. I just, I was like, I'm forgetting something. Oh, the air inflator pump for the tires. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, but I'm running late. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to go without it. I don't need it. It's going to be fine. Two days later, I have a flat tire at the yoga retreat. Right. I never get flat tires. I never get them. So I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, like, what was that? Like, I had just had the thought that I'm going to need this thing and I left without it and now I need it. And so now I'm asking people to help me out and it's it's a big fuss and whatever. And it was fine because we're at a yoga retreat and everyone's so nice, right? But um, that's an intuition. (laughs) Yeah, I think (laughs) so. Was that the daemon saying, yo, I know what's going to happen two days from now. Let me tell this guy so he doesn't have to deal with this headache, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think I think the most we can say is that's an odd twist of circumstances that seems meaningful, right? Like that's a borderline mm-hmm. synchronicity. That that's like yeah. that's like a synchronicity that I, I would still say it is a synchronicity because you had a very clear picture of fuck, I should get the the mm-hmm. inflator. Yeah, I don't know, calling it an inflator. That's a tire air inflator. I don't yeah, know yeah. The, the little thing you plug um, into the the cigarette port and it like zzz, yeah, yeah. makes your tire blow up. You know, um, and then you didn't do it, and then boom, you have a flat tire. Like that seems very evocative of that sort of mysterious impulse that comes from I don't know where. Mm-hmm. And anytime we get to that point, it's like it's tempting to put a label on it because it makes it make more sense somehow. And yeah, dude, maybe, maybe it is that something with higher knowledge letting you know. Um, One of my favorite ways to think about this too is just using um, a a term Jung used a lot when he would talk about synchronicities and he would talk about the sort of mysterious interconnective uh, viscera, force, tissue that just seems to be there in moments like that, but you don't know what it is. He called it, and he didn't originate this, but he popularized it. He called it the unus mundus, which means like mm-hmm. one one world. And 
what he means by that is that science can explain a lot of things. It can explain anytime you have a physical piece of material, you can explain the entire history of that object up to a point, right? Mm -hmm. But then what happens when some weird immaterial structure presents itself, like what you're talking about, or a synchronicity, mm -hmm. or just uh, like a, a precognitive dream, or um, anything mm -hmm. like that. You have two options. Explain it away as like a coincidence, which I think leaves a lot of people feeling like, I, I don't think you're doing this justice. Like that felt impactful, mm -hmm. that felt meaningful to me. Or you have to say there's some unseen structure. There's some unseen agency. There's some unseen thing that we don't understand that's exerting control or or if not control is there it's like this Tao. it's this force it's this current of psychical energy that shows meaningful connection and, and i like that word that unis mundus it's like i don't know what it is mm -hmm. but there's something that underpins all and and it shows itself pretty yeah. clearly sometimes in, in ways yeah. that are very hard to explain away totally yeah. So, you know, because in all of these ancient cultures, they didn't have, you know, scans of the brain and like right. this receptor does that and the prefrontal cortex does this and blah, blah, blah. Like they, you, you had to like come up with some type of explanation as to where these intuitions are coming from, you know, whether it be a, the, the planets and astrology or the <laughs> gods who bless us with rain or with sun or whatever it might be, you know, you have to come up with some explanation. I'm wondering if when they had these intuitions, these almost little synchronistic blips or these um, uh, precognitions, or yeah, these intuitions that just like seem to be other freaking worldly guided, guided by another worldly force, by something that's beyond space and time that knows the future somehow, which a ton of us are getting, uh, you know, um, like pings from, it seems like, especially in this kind of culture with the spirituality and the psychedelics and everything that, that you and I are into. Um, so maybe that's how they're explaining it. And I also wonder, are... Could, could people be mistaking the daemon for God, gods, or right. guides, or angels? Yeah. And they like, that. I have a guardian angel, and it, it seems to keep me safe or watch over me or give me intuitions of what to do, what not to do. Could could those be the daemon, or are these different yeah, beings? Yeah, for sure. You know? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think... See, I, I think when we get into la labeling too much with these things, it starts to be a, a little bit, in, it doesn't matter, right? Like wh whatever word we use for them is probably not, you know, if, if you were able to somehow directly commune with a daimon and converse with it, would it really be like, make sure you call me you know, like whatever. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think so. I think, mm -hmm. I think whatever they're, language is it's something completely subjective and emotional and energetic and not caught up in labels mm -hmm. you know I, I think like when i really try to think about it it almost seems like we're dealing with gradients of consciousness mm -hmm. where a human being has a has a psyche 
and it has all of these gradients of consciousness that pretty much belong to the individual. Like, you you know, the, the Jungian model is my favorite. You have the conscious mind, you have the personal unconscious, which, you know, that's where your dreams are bubbling up from. And sometimes mm -hmm. the personal unconscious touches the conscious mind. And if you want to do shadow work, you want to understand yourself, you do psychedelics, I'm pretty sure you're going into the personal unconscious. Mm -hmm. And then below the the personal unconscious, you have the collective unconscious. And I think too, even with like deep psychedelic experiences or altered states, you're probably starting to perceive emanations coming from that collective unconscious. Mm. But when you start to, it's like saying, what's the right name for an archetype, right? Mm -hmm. Like, should we call it, should we call it the king or should we call it the sovereign? It doesn't really Got matter. It. It, it is what it is, it is right? What it, it is. Okay. And another language is going to call it this. Another culture is going to call it that. But right. what I like to try to do to, is to get underneath that. And if you if you understand the archetype, you understand the root, right? Mm. You understand the root of the idea, and the name doesn't matter. What 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 matters is the archetype and the quality and the function right. to the person to the civilization. And I think that that a daimon is if you just like listen to what the Greeks say, it was the liminal spiritual being. So it was the liminal mm. spiritual being. And that very much is like a guardian angel. And the Ro the Romans called it a genius. So that's where the word mm -hmm. genius comes from. Mm -hmm. Genius to them was something that was attached to you, but came to you. And it mm -hmm. wasn't like, wow, this guy is a genius. It's he has a genius. Yeah. You know, he has a genius. So that's a, that's a pretty important difference i, I think. love that um, well do you think that these other beings are separate than the diamond like when they say archangel michael right mm -hmm. is that being mistaken for the diamond or is he his own thing and the diamond is connected only to you he's your personal guide yeah but yet these other beings exist you know because well, you know of course with the, with the nts and dmt i know you did something with dmt recently on your podcast uh andrew gallimore right yeah. You know, he, he talks about these beings at length. They clearly exist, you know, but my, my question is, are they the daemon in multiple kind of like aspects, just like kind of, you know, or, or they, is the daemon something separate and unique only to you that guides only you? Or does the daemon reach out to several people? Can people share a daemon? You know, That's a good question. Or, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I you don't know, know. I we, mean, we have a similar muse, you and I. And Godsey, something is pulling at us. Mm -hmm. It enters my mind. Could we be tapping into the same daemon, or maybe we just got similar daemons? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, so, I guess again, I'd go back to my sort of uh, analogy of like what seem to be gradients of consciousness, where mm -hmm. you have this. Probably the band right outside of the human is what you could call the the diamond the diamond realm and it does seem at least you know mythologically speaking you have a daimon mm -hmm. that is your daimon do could people share i don't know that's a good question I, I don't know enough about like the thought and the you know the the sort of core philosophers behind it but i mean th there are interesting stories out there like so plotinus who's the most famous uh neoplatonist philosopher so he wrote like the enneads you've probably mm -hmm. come across various mm -hmm. plotinus quotes he was really just this prolific highly spiritual philosopher 
Um, a lot of his philosophy sounds very much like Eastern mysticism to a point where it's almost like, dude, this sounds, this sounds almost like a hint, like a Hindu yogi talking mm, mm. at times. Um, there's a legend that he, so, so again, a lot of the lore is that a lot of this stuff actually comes out of Egypt and the Egyptians and Greeks eventually sort of like intermingled their cultures and shared wisdom. But the Greeks definitely looked at the Egyptians as like a source of real deep ancient knowledge. Mm -hmm. And there's a story that Plotinus one time went to this Egyptian temple and there was this priest in the temple who could contact your daimon mm. and could like connect you with the daimon. And apparently he did whatever this ritual is with, with Plotinus and he said, you are an unbelievably blessed, brilliant person, and you don't have a diamond, you have a god. Oh, wow. So that's apparently possible, if Damn. you believe that story. You know, so... I love that. And, and it kind of makes sense, right? Because there are just these rare human beings who you sense, like, oof, there's something coming through this motherfucker. Sure, Like, they're, sure. they're not, like, wherever they're speaking from, it's not them. They, they seem to yeah. be a clean channel for something more. They seem to be single-mindedly dedicated to doing something to a point where they're like borderline transcending what's possible of a mm, human being. Mm. And I think we can look at people who, the very few people throughout the ages who seem to have this kind of um, level of talent. Right. Or and, and, you know, maybe it's possible to develop that clean channel. Maybe it's possible to go from someone who doesn't have that to someone who does have that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's possible to get literal or to to name, like slap the perfect name on any of these things. But mm -hmm. um, it's certainly fun to think about. And I, But I think where it becomes useful is where you're able to identify actual instances of it happening or apply, mm -hmm. re apply it to real things in life. And then again, like the name, get right under the name and get to the archetype of like what it is that we're talking about. And it's, right. you know, it's funny that you brought up, you you just kind of glancingly brought up astrology because yeah. I'm in a weird place with astrology right now. And we, mm -hmm. don't, we don't need to get into that, but we also could get into it because mm -hmm. astrology is really the living archetypal language that has yeah. survived. Like that is, a that is a language of archetypes and it's a language of quality. Of, mm -hmm. of a, um, I recently had a conversation with, dude, did I tell you that I'm so James Hillman that I mentioned? Did I tell you I'm connected with his son now? You did, yeah. Just yesterday you told me. Do you want me to get That's into awesome. this or do you have another I mean, question? yeah, let's let's dive into astrology just yeah. briefly because I love it too and I could go at length. But I do I do have a couple more questions on the Damon. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Well well, let let's do that. Let's do that first and then I'll and then I'll launch into my whole Lawrence okay. Hillman thing. Okay, cool. So that dude that was in the pyramid, he he got extra blessed. He didn't have a daemon. He had a god. That makes me think the daemon is kind of a like a personal assistant of sorts, a personal creative reminder, you know, but like yet these other higher beings do exist beyond that. Um, some people maybe are mistaking a daemon for God, but it's not you know perhaps you know like i, I don't know if we're going to get to any definitive answer today but i'm just exploring because i want to know what the daemon is because i i seem to have one and i want to understand it you know and yeah one, no, one I, I, i'm with you i, yeah. I want to understand it too yeah T totally so one of the other questions i had is can the daemon protect us or intervene 
or does it leave it all up to us? And it's just kind of like trying to tell you the move. Can it actually reach its divine hand into your life and clear the way or block something from happening, mm-hmm. intervene, divine intervention? Or does it just give you a hint and it's up to you to make the move? Yeah, man. I Again, I, I don't know, but I would again point to these weird moments of like people who kind of like you with the tire pump, but it was something mm-hmm. way more cataclysmic. Like mm-hmm. those stories of people who were supposed to be on a plane on 9-11 and then they didn't get on the plane yeah. because of some weird, you know, I don't know. I just felt like right. I shouldn't get on the plane. Right. And then you have to look at the 90, however many percent of people who did get on the plane and say, well, why did their daemon not intervene? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Could mm-hmm. it, and I, I think, I think though really what it is, is there was this tendency in the ancient world to sort of incarnate archetypes in a way that we just don't do anymore. And I think we overly literalize things either existing or not existing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think, I think it is, I keep coming back to archetypes because I think that that is the bottom line is that these things exist in a way, whether it's just psychological or it's spiritual, and they truly, again, like ontologically exist somewhere in the fabric of reality in a way that we don't interact with with our meat suits. Mm-hmm. Whether they do or don't, like those qualities, those like locuses of energetic or psychical, I guess, energy. Mm-hmm. do exert control over the way we think, over the the way we write stories, over the way we create, over the way that we operate in the world to a point that I think is indisputable. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think you can dispute that these archetypes at least exist psychically, if not really exist in the way mm-hmm. that I think some people are open to. And I, I'm not trying to like dodge your question of, can it intervene? Because I I don't know, of course. But mm-hmm. what I suspect is that if you are just somebody who's more susceptible or more open to that kind of psychical transmission, or mm-hmm. I don't know, psychic maybe, you're you're able to receive those emanations a little bit more clearly, and you mm-hmm. take them a little bit more seriously. You know, some people just have the strong, have strong emotions, have strong intuition. And some Mm -hmm. people don't like some people are really in their physical body or really in their frontal lobe. And they're just, they're not open to that. So yeah, that's what I suspect is that some people are just more tuned Mm -hmm. to it than others. Yeah. No, I do have another question that that perfectly leads into, but I did want to put the example out that, you know, now that several times I had an intuition that I didn't listen to and then I had to deal with a thing that I could have otherwise been saved from, like the tire pump. If I had listened to the daemon and went inside and got the tire pump and been five minutes late, I wouldn't have had to go around asking for people for their tire pump. And right. so so what I'm trying to say is now when I get those intuitions, I listen. Yeah. After 20 times of not listening and not doing the thing that the intuition suggesting and then being like, I should have did that. You know, of course, like every time now that I can, that it's feasible and, you know, within the realm of action, you know, like I do now and I listen to it and I 
so many times have been seemingly saved. And that's why I'm wondering, like, can this thing intervene? Uh, it's trying, it, it knows uh, an inconvenience is just, just ahead. And if you do this, it'll be less, you know, it's so weird. But I also wonder, can it do things like make your computer shit out because you're not supposed to do a thing that day or your car won't turn on, you know, like, are you not supposed to be at a place? And, you know, sometimes these things are very mundane and, and not to be looked at like a, a major synchronicity. But at other times, it's like, wow, one time when my car didn't work, the place that I went to, like they had a robbery and like I, I was I could have been there and I wasn't there. And what the yeah. fuck is that? You know, like that right. type of situation. Yeah. And and for all we know, man, we we could be narrowly avoiding tragedy all the time, just blissfully ignorant. Mm -hmm. You know, if, for, for all we know, there could be fucking angelic or demonic hands on our shoulders going and like steering <laughs> you away. And, and you think of it as just like. Well, I'm gonna go this way today, and all and right. to you, that's all it is. And you never would know that a rock would have like fell on your head if you took. You know, yeah. we're always that's a potential. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. like could there's a. I mean, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so, but but so my next question is, uh, is the volume of the daemon linked to the health of our pineal or pituitary glands? So as we explore these psychedelic states and kind of clean our diet and we start to learn about the pineal gland and fluoride and just trying to get a healthier intuitive mind does the volume of the daemon then increase and now we're hearing it much louder because uh, someone that's got like let's just say and this is maybe slightly conspiratorial but like a calcified pineal gland they're hearing the daemon at one and someone who's been off fluoride water and meditating for years and blah 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 they're hearing the daemon at a 70 you know, um, and a Socrates is hearing out of a hundred, you know? So is there a link with these glands that are known to be intuitive, that are known to give us these chemicals, maybe DMT, maybe it's melatonin, maybe whatever it might be, um, that make our brain have more intuitive processing yeah. power. Uh, <clears throat> is there a link between the daemon and its volume and, and how loud people can hear it and maybe the pineal gland, the third eye, you know, the, yeah. these type of things. I think I totally agree with the spirit of your question, but I would probably be pretty skeptical of the specifics in terms of like pineal gland calcification and pituitary mm -hmm. gland, et cetera, because I, I've heard, like, I've heard Huberman speak, like you and I don't know shit about the brain like mm -hmm. I'm you not know, a neuroscientist. Right. In, in terms of like real expertise. But right. there are these memes that go around about like calcified pineal glands and a relationship between pineal gland calcification and fluoride. And mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything there. Like I, I wanna say I remember Huberman really actually addressing that specifically at one point for, mm -hmm. for if you live under a rock inside of a buried cave and you don't know who Andrew Huberman is. <laughs> He's this like wildly popular neuroscientist who does a lot of podcasts and a lot of public facing transmissions. And I want to say that he at some point addressed pineal gland calcification and he was like, I lit, there's literally no evidence for this. And it just seems well, to be one of those things. Well, it's hard to test because you have to open up someone's brain to the center of it to look, right? And who's going to let you do that? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But so so then that begs the question, too, of like, how would you know that that's even a thing? You know, okay, it sounds, well, if we, it if we sounds just... like something that makes sense because we all have this, ooh, the pineal gland is a third eye idea. 
Yeah. And then you can say, oh, fluoride is bad. So it's you can wait, you can make this weird reach between um, fluoride and the pineal gland. And I'm sure there's people out there who are going to like, would want to take issue with this or hit me with something and just know I don't, I don't want your evidence. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters. But the spirit of your question of, mm-hmm. I think, are we filling our brains and our minds with so much fucking garbage and nonsense, both in the form of food and information and distraction mm-hmm. that we can't hear the voice a hundred percent. I think the vast majority of what people are doing, even people who are like incrementally more open or exploring than the average person. I think again, our biases and our self-serving notions are driving our behavior and are anesthetizing us from reality a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And in anesthetizing ourselves against reality, you're definitely closing yourself down to more information. And you could be closing yourself down for sure, I think, to that diamond, mm-hmm. that intuition. And I think it, to get there, I think you got to get uncomfortable. I think you got to get yourself in the chair of creativity or whatever your vocation is mm-hmm. and really just get in there and do the work. You know, if you, and I think this is where it makes sense to listen to people who've really done the work, like, mm-hmm. like an Android Jones, like mm-hmm. a Stephen Pressfield, like these people who openly use this language to describe where their inspiration is coming from. And they all, you know, it's a cliche at this point it, to say that it feels like it's not coming from them. It's coming from outside of them and they're channeling it. Mm. You know, Stephen Pressfield and like the War of Art talks about being connected to the muse. And he says that not metaphorically, like he literally says a prayer to the muse when he sits down to write mm. from from the Odyssey, I love the invocation of the muse. And I, I've, I've been wanting to print that out, actually, because yeah. I think it's such a fucking cool idea. Right. Um, so I'm not 100% sure that fluoride can affect the pineal gland either i'm not i'm not sure but if it's gonna better my chances to just try drinking some spring water instead yeah. of what comes out of the tap i mean you know that's not very much effort yeah so. fluoride <laughs> is for <laughs> sure bad that. yeah but it is for sure bad for you it's for sure a neurotoxic right but, but let's just yeah. let's just say the the health of the pineal gland i mean they've been talking about it for thousands of years uh in Maybe. the yogic worlds Maybe. you know uh, it seems like it so yeah. it seems like there's and whether or not it's being affected by fluoride there can be a healthier level of production of certain chemicals in the brain if you're healthy and you're putting the right fuel into your brain and you're doing the right huberman methods and your brain is working better than people who aren't, who are eating totally. McDonald's and drinking Coca-Cola all day. You know what I mean? Yep. Your brain's working better. You, you're getting chemicals in the correct dosages, melatonin, DMT, serotonin, dopamine, whatever it is that's giving us higher processing power. Is it then that we can now hear that daemon louder clearer and it can impact our lives more deeply because our brain is healthier quite possibly yeah i mean i I think it's safe to say that regardless of whether that's the case or not you should care about what goes into your body and what goes into your brain and Mm -hmm. you know like one of the things too and and 
it's funny because this might sound like I'm trying to get reductive or basic, but if you really want your pineal gland to be healthy, you know what you need to do? You need to sleep at the right time. You mm -hmm. need to get sunlight. You need to do things that actually work with your natural hormonal cascades throughout the day because yeah. that's what we know for sure the pineal gland is doing. It's secreting melatonin at nighttime. Mm -hmm. It's like, like a lot of different things from what I understand, it's light sensitive. So you want to make sure you're getting the right light wavelengths. So you're not like drenching, like you have blue uh, eye, um, yeah. blue light glasses on right now. Right. At Black night, especially. Shame. Yeah. At night, especially you want to make sure you're blocking blue light wavelengths because it sends the wrong signals to your brain, which right. then prevents your pineal gland from secreting melatonin. So things like that, like we, we know for sure that you're going to be healthier if your body is tuned to the natural cycles of, mm -hmm. of nature. Um, so that's all super important. I do think for sure fluoride, you know, there's, again, that's something I've heard actual neuroscientists speak on, like, like Huberman that, yeah, fluoride's not doing anything good for your brain. It's definitely mm -hmm. not doing anything good for you. And I think the notion right. that it's somehow good for your teeth by being put in tap water in very low amounts is probably probably bullshit i don't know for sure but it sounds like it's, <laughs> it's like a convenient excuse to use industrial waste really um right. in in tap water right so i'm just thinking you know like someone's listening to the conversation and they're like this sounds really cool but i don't know what they're talking about i i want to i want to hear a daemon i want i want to be in touch with my daemon you know maybe you already are and you're just not yeah you for sure already are you know you, you're just not able to identify right it. But like if you didn't have a word for anxiety, right? Yeah. You didn't have a word for anxiety and you just felt this quality of like getting it's it's hard not to like use anxiety related words to describe anxiety, but you mm -hmm. you're you're feeling nervous, you're feeling very like tight in the throat and you're just mm -hmm. really worried about things that are coming and you and it's just a, a what is this feeling? I don't know what this is. Mm -hmm. Calling it anxiety doesn't change what it is. But now it's some now somehow it's like, okay, now we have this common language we can use to talk about the thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the diamond is very similar to that in that it's probably orchestrating certain feelings within you to try to communicate things in a very nonlinear way because it's not mm -hmm. speaking English to you. It's not mm -hmm. speaking maybe it is. I don't fucking know. But it I'm guessing I think it not. speaks in I'm images. Guessing not. Yes. You know, now the way getting, our now you're getting yes. Yeah, you know, a way our thought works. I saw the tire pump in the house. I I said I should go get that. You know, like I just saw the mental picture of it's sitting there, you're forgetting it, go get it. I did not listen and yeah. really needed it. You know, so it speaks in these like mental flashes of imagery. And this is where we circle back to Young and Hillman and all of these people because they believed exactly what you said that mm -hmm. they, they pro well, Hillman obviously talked about the diamond directly and I'm, I'm guessing young did too, but I'm not real sure. I'm going to look that up after this. If he, if young mm -hmm. actually ever directly riffed or wrote about the diamond, he probably did dude, because his collected works are absolutely insane. Like the mm -hmm. volume of stuff he wrote about is just bonkers. But totally. that's exactly what they said, that if you want to de more deeply understand your psyche, your soul, like for them, you know, we, we hear psyche and we think we're just talking about mind psychology. They, they were 
the Greek word for soul is psyche. So some people might not know that. So when they're when they're using the word psyche, they're thinking about a lot deeper of a dimension of mind than just the brain. Mm. And they thought the deeper layers of your psyche spoke through images and spoke through archetypes. So yeah. those when an image comes to you in the form of a dream or you have a weird dream, this is like a primary example of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's coming from somewhere more basic and it's speaking in a in an in a image made of archetypes. Mm -hmm. And it's our job if you want to investigate your own mind, your own psyche, communicate with the daimon, whatever you want to call it, it's your job to pay attention to those images and take them seriously. And mm -hmm. not not try to exert your bias over them or whatever, but really try to capture the image and then really try to faithfully interpret the image's meaning based mm -hmm. on exactly what it's showing you, not based on mm -hmm. what you want, not based on you know all the the trivial things in life, but taking it seriously. Like Young took that more seriously than he took the outside world. Like he took the mind more seriously than he took the outside world. Yeah. So that's the level of, of seriousness. They, they took it. Right. Um, I love that. Yeah, go ahead. And then my, my last kind of question here before we can move on to astrology and, and, and other fun stuff is around the daemon almost wants to push you like almost more than is healthy. Like, for instance, last night, I'm standing on the patio, smoking a spliff at like midnight, and I get a mental flash, and I say, oh, there's this thing I want to develop, but damn, I need to go to bed. But like the daemon is saying, no, stay up, stay up, and do it, you know? And maybe. it's almost like, it's or like- Or maybe it's the daemon telling you to go to bed. It's like you have the, it's like that's the, I think the mat mind is like concerned with my health and says, no, you should go to bed because you got the podcast with Michael tomorrow. You don't want to stay up all night, you know? Um, but the daemon's like, the, 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 the iron's hot. You should, you should start hammering away right now. Yeah. You're having the image. Don't let it go away, you know? And what is it about the daemon trying to maybe push us to work? more to go further than we're mm -hmm. comfortable with to, to do things that sometimes I, I heard about Robert Anton Wilson not eating for hours and hours and hours oh, yeah. while he was working well you know this feeling right where you're yeah. just so hooked into your work where you're like oh right. shit it's like whatever but, time it is and I didn't eat lunch yeah but we know we need to eat lunch for our energy levels so what, what is it about the daemon wanting to push you further and further, you know? Yeah, I've, I, I think there can be a taskmaster element to the daemon where, well, well, let's get into a really important Greek word. Have you, are you familiar with eudaimonia? Mm -mm. So it's just the, it's often translated as just happiness, like the Greek concept of happiness. Like a lot of ancient Greek philosophers, really all the ancient Greek philosophers spoke about what makes happiness and that would be translated mm -hmm. as eudaimonia. Mm -hmm. What does okay, eudaimonia awesome. sound like? D I mean, daemon seems like it's in there. It for is. Sure. It is. So if you really translate the word, I haven't looked at this in a while, but I'm 95% sure it essentially translates to good daemon. Mm. 
So the question is like, how do you make the daimon happy? And I do think, right. Or, or sometimes I think it's, it's translated as like good spirit, but daimon is the spirit they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think to an extent you do have to serve that thing. Cause you, you know what it feels like when you procrastinate all day yeah. and then it gets late and you're like, ah, I'm not going to do it today. I'm just going to fucking play Elden Ring tonight and then I'll do it tomorrow or whatever it is, you know? Right. And there's something creeping around inside of you that's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And whether, whether or not that's just... A psychic lashing. You punishing yourself or that is some other thing, some entity that is bound to you being like, no, man, you got to do this. Right. It's hard to say, but it does. It's almost telling you you'll feel better if you do. Yeah, this. it will. It will. Yeah, it, it does feel like that. And and I think I I almost think of it as like when you come into this world, and this is going to actually be a great dovetailing into the astrology conversation. Perfect. When you come into this world, I think most people out there, especially listening to this podcast, are leaning toward that. You have some kind of purpose. You have some kind of innately God-given talents. And if there's a purpose, it's probably your purpose to exercise those things in this life. Otherwise, why would you come into the world with those attributes? Mm-hmm. If it's not, Or it's just complete randomness, right? Complete genetic inheritance or, or whatever. But I think most people suspect at least some degree of, yeah, I have a purpose. I have talents. I, need, I have things I need to do with those talents. Now we can ask a lot of questions about like where those things come from, but wherever they come from, whatever like impenetrable place of mystery <clears throat> they come from, it's your job to do those things. And the so so the 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 water's flowing, right? It's like the mm-hmm. the the current of the river of who you are is going. And when you're not going with the current, it feels bad. It feels like you're struggling. It feels like ah, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, in, so that's another way to view the diamond is like, maybe it's not so much that it's pulling you. Maybe it's us that are like, we're dogs in a leash, just choking ourselves. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, no, just go with it. Go right. with it. Stop being distracted. Stop going after sugar. Stop going after women. Stop going after alcohol. Mm. Stop whatever it is. Like, go, don't stop choking yourself with it with this like animalistic part of yourself that's distracted and wants to be comfortable and wants to be fed. Like, cause that's not like, that's not where those talents come from. Like that's, that's what those talents are riding on. Like our body is what those talents are riding on. And this is why Plato talked about the, the soul being in three parts. And that lower part of the soul is the animal part, right? It's the animal part that just is distracted is, 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 is getting caught up in gossip and, wanting to eat fast food and like shove a cupcake in its mouth. And you got to tame that part of yourself. You know, like it's popular now to be like self-care, be good to yourself. But it's like you and I both know that real self-care is not just doing what's easy and what feels good. Mm-hmm. Like you, that's not going to make the, that's not going to lead to eudaimonia. That's not going to lead mm-hmm. to you feeling satisfied or like you have some purpose. So that was Plato's first thing. And remember, we got to we got to remember that this myth of the daimon and everything comes from Plato. Mm-hmm. So Plato, to my mind, is the most important philosopher to ever live. He knew what the fuck he was talking about on multiple very deep levels, I think. Mm-hmm. And 
if he says we need to like control the animal part of ourselves and really try to nurture our psyche in the cleanest possible way so that we have the cleanest this is what he wanted to do he wanted the what exactly what you're talking about matt Mm -hmm. is he wanted the cleanest possible connection between our mind and what's higher yeah he wanted this mind to be a tool of what's higher to work through and if you weren't executing that you were more or less just an animal running around right talking consuming right yep and that that's the whole that's the whole game. It's like how 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 clean of a channel can you become for right. what's higher? And and I think that's like the noblest end of that a human can really strive for mm-hmm. is to like sacrifice themselves to whatever wants to work through those talents. Mm-hmm. Um, and the daimon is the initiator of that process. It, it is the it is the go between. It is the channel. It is the deliverer of mm-hmm. of that whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So so is it fair to say everyone has a diamond or access to. Yeah. Yeah. The the myth. So if you want to read the actual myth, this comes from go, it's probably for free online within Mm -hmm. an easy Google. It's part of Plato's Republic and it's at the very end and it's called the myth of Ur. And it's a cool story because the myth of Ur is the story of a, like a soldier who had a near death experience and went through the whole process of like, I died and then this happened. And then I, you know, and, and it's very allegorical. Like there's a lot of like references to Greek myth and, you know, things like that in there, but he does go through the process of like, choose like how you re-ensoul and how you come back Mm. into the world and how the fates weave the threads of who you are and all of these things. And it, it, it resonates for sure. Almost another cultural lens to the Bardos. It is. Yeah. You know, it's just like, we see it like that, but it's the same process. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's awesome. So I think most people have a, or all people have a diamond, Damon. Um, side note, interesting how that word's blowing up because of the new Game of Thrones and the main character being named Damon. Damon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good for the searches. <laughs> anyway, because um, when I was searching for Damon just yesterday, a third of it was this type of shit, but like two thirds of it was Game of Thrones. It's just right, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I think to conclude this, like when we find ourselves in vicious cycles where we're stuck, we're stagnating, we're drinking too much, smoking too much, not working out, blah, 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 blah. It's almost like you, you're, you're refusing to listen to the daemon and you're in this hamster wheel of the animalistic lower reptilian Mm -hmm. mind brain. And, you're wondering why shit's not getting better and things are getting worse and things are going downhill. Like the more and more you don't listen to the daemon, the daemon just wants you to pick up a paintbrush or, or pick up a microphone or have a conversation. You know, it just wants you to work a little bit, right? Like it wants you to, to do what you know in your heart you want to do. If you know you want to make music, but you keep procrastinating on music, not let alone for weeks and months, but years, and then your life is just kind of like bleh. It's like, bro, if you just start listening to that thing, I think it rewards you so quickly. Like within a few hours, if you just like show up and do one creative task that the daemon is beckoning you forth to do, it'll say, hey, that's all we wanted. It's not so, that wasn't so bad, right, guy? Like, how do you feel now? And you're like, damn, I feel good. Like, and it starts the non-vicious cycle of like, 
let me go down right. that right because i'm feeling good now and i'm feeling good now and the more i create the better i'm feeling and the daemon is happy eudaimonia yeah would you rather strive and have a cycle toward because it's not easy it, i'm not i'm not trying to say like oh yeah it's going to be easy and make you feel better i don't want to color it like that because it is hard man like we yeah. were talking about before this like i makes work i have the very good fortune of having a video blowing up right now pretty heavily yeah. and awesome. it's not like hey do four hours of work and you're gonna get some kind of ego treat it's it's not like that like a lot of times dude i have so many days where i'm like what the fuck am i like <laughs> i'm in my late 30s I've been doing this for like, I've been doing third eye drops for six years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm doing it full time now, but I'm not in a place where it's like stable and like I'm super good and financially comfortable, but it's like, I have to do this. Like there's something inside of me that's like, I know that every other option of that's out there just won't scratch the itch. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to make it be like, it's a fucking garden of roses as soon as you start <laughs> listening to this. It's work. To, to your deeper self. But it's like, do you want to... You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to do things you don't want to do. You're going to have to put the work in on things, period. Yeah. Would, what would you... What do you want to work toward? You know, do you want to work toward a thing that individuates you, makes you into a completely unique being that's trying and fit. Like I gave this whole riff last time that went like mm -hmm. not viral, but it did well for like a random podcast clip of me talking about like, do you want to suffer and fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up towards something that really yeah. matters and will make you feel fulfilled? Or do you want to just go through the motions of some bullshit job and, you, mm -hmm. with some like going nowhere dead end friend group who just wants to get wasted all the time and like or smoke mm -hmm. all the time or whatever it is like mm -hmm. which one would you rather zooming out on your life sitting on your deathbed would you rather have done yeah and the 100%. good news is is like anyone listening to this you probably have a lot of fucking time you probably mm -hmm. have a lot like you know whether you're 20 30 40 you have a lot of time totally. to, to figure it out and it's not easy. It's not like a quick change. It's not like you can just do a quick 90 degree turn. You're like, boop, now I'm living my purpose. It's a constant right. like one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back, two steps yeah. forward, one step back. It's it's that. It's that game. But mm -hmm. if you're on that road and and you know that you're however slowly trying to cobble that together, trying to fit it in in your free time, trying to like connect with this person when you never would have connected with this person before because now you're trying to do the same th thing that they're trying to do and you might have some kind of kinship and oh guess what they never return your email like that's the fucking game that is the game and it never ends and it never right. ends and it's not easy but i would rather easy. be on that road i'd rather fucking die on the side of that road than like <laughs> go with the, the sheep dude i'd rather right. like like I, yeah. I, my, I, we've talked about this so many times but i my whole life i was just i remember being surrounded by nope don't want to do that don't want to work there don't yeah. want to go to that church don't want to hang out with that person mm -hmm. and then slowly very very slowly you find people like even the way we connected dude it's mm -hmm. so just random you know like mm -hmm. hey i like what you're doing and then we became friends in this similar spirit and mm -hmm. that's where you know that's the only road that i care to be on in life i don't 
And I think our that demons is are wearing the same color t-shirts. I think that, yeah, I think that is, I think that is the road of the diamond. And I think Love that. society and ease and just beige four out of 10 days that are just easy enough, keep us off the path just because it's easy. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and it's well, fucked up. It's fucked yeah. up because it's led to 8 billion people on the planet just mm -hmm. consuming. And that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To encapsulate a little there, the thought and quote came to mind. Uh, if you don't sacrifice for the things you love, the things you love will become the sacrifice. Yeah. It's great. You know? So, yeah. Love that. Okay, guys. Well, hopefully you understand the daemon a bit more now. Um, I was unfamiliar. We were speaking about the myth of Ur, which we did animate in the Myths and Mind Project. So yeah. if you guys uh, you know, want to see an animated version, go to the, my website, mattzian.com. Cool. I'll that. check that. I, I never saw that part. I'll oh, yeah. I'll that. send that over. Um, so to get into the astrology and who you're connected with, um, who, who again? The son of... Yeah. So, dude, so everyone... So this guy we're talking about, James Hillman, He's yeah. the one who really repopularized oh, yeah. a lot of this through Souls Code. Mm -hmm. um, I have the book, actually. I haven't yeah. read it because I listened to it in audio, but I do have the book. Yeah. So he was a very famous, a lot of people call him a post-Jungian because he was very heavily influenced by Jung. But he wrote a best-selling book in the 90s called Souls Code, which is the book that we're talking about that yeah. talks about reconnecting with this idea that you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you have a diamond, acorn becomes the oak tree, etc., his son is a badass in his own right. So his son has a PhD in psychology. He wrote a book called Planets in Play, which is all about how archetypes are existing, exerting control over you. And the language of this is astrology. And mm -hmm. believe me, I'm not an astrology dude. Like I'm, I've always mm -hmm. been someone who's like, I'm open to it. I'm not saying there's nothing there. But I also can see how it's a slippery slope to fuckery, to cold reading, to all these things that people criticize it for. Right. So I just had sort of like a, I'm open to it and, oh, wow, this is actually really interesting. And then when I would read my own birth chart, like I would come across it from time to time or whatever, be like, damn, this is pretty accurate. Like, I, yeah. I can't lie. This is pretty accurate. So... What I'll say is if, if you're going into this immediately, like, I don't believe in astrology, until you really converse with someone who's a master of the craft, you just don't know what you're talking about. Reading mm -hmm. your sun sign, like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Aries, I'm a Pisces, it doesn't, it, yeah. it's, it's like 5% of the picture. Right. There could be so many other factors in your chart that are like dictating the quality of energy in ways that you just have no idea about. Totally. So the thing that's crazy is, so it's surreal to me that I'm connected with Lawrence Hillman to begin mm -hmm. with, because like I said, he's James Hillman's son. But really in awesome. connecting with him and seeing his own body of work, like I'm very, just very impressed. And he's like been doing this for decades. He's in his 60s. So he's been doing astrology for like 40 years. And he has, you know, I know for sure he has very high-powered clients and like executives mm -hmm. and whatever. And he very generously offered to do a, a reading for me. And I've never had like a full-blown reading before, let alone from someone of his caliber. Mm -hmm. And bro, it was psychedelic. Like I'm wow. not, I, I, it felt like I was hearing 
it felt like I was hearing a mythological story about me. And there were some parts of it that I was like, oh my God, what a fucking <laughs> epiphany that is. And then there were other parts of it. Like, I don't understand this. Like, I just, I just don't understand it. And that could be because it's not, it, it just isn't really true. Or it could be because I don't, I don't have the mythopoetic awareness and the mm -hmm. self-awareness yet to really understand it. And I lean toward that interpretation that this mm -hmm. will make, if I stay plugged into this, it will make more sense as I go. That's what I think. Right. Um, so it, it felt like it really, honestly, dude, it did feel like someone opening up the hood. Like, you know, if you're just an untrained person, you look at an engine, you're like, oh, I don't know what this yeah. is. It felt like a mechanic opening the hood and being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, just, and then using 100%. all of this, the language of this art. Like, oh, you're a three cylinder turbo. Okay. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Oh, you have this. Okay. That, oh, that's interesting. Okay. It's like, and it's, it's that kind of a thing when they start, when they really start giving you the download. And yeah, man, it's because all of it folds back into what we're talking about. You know, mm -hmm. like when we're talking about that momentum that you come into the world with, that is supposedly the moment of your birth, the way the planetary bodies are aligned and they're oriented yeah. toward one another is the energy, is the current, is yeah. what you're born with. And yeah. one of the things he said to me that I, you know, because I, I, I put the obvious question to him of like, okay, people understand this idea of archetypes and I think we can pr make a pretty solid argument that archetypes at least psychologically exist and they're exerting some control over us. Mm -hmm. But how do you get from there to these planetary bodies somehow have these qualities and they're exerting a control over you? And he's like, well, first of all, you're never going to be able to completely overcome the gap of faith. But when I've seen charts for 40 years and I've seen how they apply to people in real life. To me, it's not, it's just indisputable. But also one of the things that I really like that he said is that we can, we can deduce the as above, so below thing is yeah. true in, in many ways. I agree. Yeah. Like go to the biggest possible scale, the Lacanea superstructure, which is one of the biggest universal objects ever created it looks like a neuron right you've seen mm -hmm. these pictures mm -hmm. looks like a neuron you have billions of neurons in your brain and there there are so many examples of this right all the way up and all the way down yeah so then wouldn't you at least want to hold some space for the idea that the system that you're born underneath like this this cosmic system that you're literally participating in probably mm -hmm. also to some extent reflects something about you. Yeah. And, and that's like an easy way for me to be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And I then agree. when you start to look at the fact that every fucking ancient culture was obsessed with the sky and not only obsessed, but built megalithic structures to reflect astrological and astronomical happenings. Like this is something that runs deep, deep, deep in the human psyche. And it's not something we can just be like, ah, that's just, that's just superstition. I, I don't, right. I don't, I think that's way premature. And I think that's way, uh, there's a lot of hubris in, in, in treating astrology in that way. 
Right. That said, am I like a to- like I said, I'm not an astrology person. I'm not like coming from this like preaching converted. But I think mm-hmm. I think we got to keep an open mind to it. Is, is where agree. I'm at. I agree. You know, a lot a lot there comes to mind. Uh, one of which is that we can almost be in disbelief that you know how could someone feasibly read the stars, assign them characteristics, and then be accurate and and work for multiple people for years and years, you know, like how how is that even possible? It almost seems impossible. Um, but then I think about how, you know, up until a hundred years ago, all of the rest of time, there was no TV. There was no radio. Yeah. There was nothing to entertain us other than the fireside songs and stories and psychedelics and community and sex and kids and whatever. Right. But, but, but like, so, so the seers, the shaman, the wizards, whatever these people, these magical minded people of, of all of the past history had nothing better to do than to look at the stars and, and, and try and interpret and try to figure it out. And, and Hey, when I take this mushroom, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it clearer. I'm seeing shapes. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm getting downloads and, and let me write it down and let me compare notes with this other guy. And like, wow, we both saw that that Jupiter over there meant this. And, and this constellation looked like that. And like, and so for, thousands of years they developed the system and i would say that they probably never even 110 percent agreed be, but that but they were like we'll lump it all in because like jupiter can mean a handful of things it can mean dharma it can mean wisdom it can mean uh uh, uh like law and like these other yeah. things that, that they seemingly aren't related like what does wisdom and law have to do with each other but but like Maybe this guy got law, this guy got wisdom, and we, we're just going to throw them both it in there. It actually makes and, perfect sense because Jupiter is the sovereign. Jupiter is the king mm-hmm. of Olympus, right? So mm-hmm. he's he's got the law, he's got the wisdom, he's got yeah. the he's got the vision and the knowledge of what's going on in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, the source, so he, he's the source of the order, right? Totally. So it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, you know. And I just think that it was just an an area of study slash entertainment. That for thousands of years, they they figured out what the broadcast was. They figured out, oh, at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays, this show comes on. Except it's where the stars are in the sky. You know what I mean? And, the, and they figured it out over a long period of time. So that's the first thought about how they assigned it and discovered it. I definitely think yeah. psychedelics and altered states of consciousness and meditation were involved um, but also just like the fact that it's the schedule we run on. It's it's the it's the TV uh, guide that we used to scroll down. What comes on when, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one idea. And one of what, the things that he said to ahead. me that I just want to share is um, that I that was really like, wow, I fucking love that. Whether it's true or not, mm-hmm. I love it. Is he said, astrology is a Kairos clock. So... We, we, the, the Greeks had two kinds. I don't know what kind, Kairos means. Yeah. So the Greeks had two kinds of time. Kronos is the one that we're familiar with. And Kronos actually comes from uh, Saturn. But mm-hmm. I won't get all into that. But Kronos is just clock time. It's, oh, linear time. Sequential tick, tick, tick. Okay. And, and cic- cyclical as well. But they also had a word okay. for Kairos, like how they're, they, they had a word for time called Kairos. And, you know how it feels like there are certain times in history 
like the 60s had a very certain quality, the 70s have a very certain quality, that what we're in right now has a very certain quality. Mm-hmm. How do you talk about those qualities? Like how how do you when you're when you're in a moment and the moment feels like pregnant with energy of some kind, like you can feel something about to erupt, whether that's at like a, a cultural event or a party or whatever, those are all chirotic kairos moments. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, he Lawrence Hillman was like, yeah, that, that astrology is a kairos clock. And I was like, whoa. Wow. So so that's another thing that I think is just so interesting is that it doesn't tell you what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. if, 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 if someone who's a master like him can look at the weather archetypally, right, which mm-hmm. would be what astrology is, and this is what he said to me, he's like, I can, the only thing I can tell you is it's going to rain. <laughs> what you do with that information is totally up to you. Right. Like you might think it's a bad day to go outside if it's raining. You might mm-hmm. like the rain. You might mm-hmm. want to go outside and dance in the rain, right? Like. Right. That that's what it's like, and I I got it. That resonated with me for sure. Definitely. No, yeah, me too. Um, and then I was gonna ask, do you know if he's using Western astrology? Yeah, or he's using he's using regular Western tropical. Got it. Zodiac. So I'm personally more of a fan of Vedic, and I don't think one's right and one's wrong. I think they're just different sets of tools. Um, certainly linked, you know, and and they mean the sun means this, the same thing in both. But what the difference in Vedic is where the sun might be because they use, uh, they, they factor in the precession of the equinox. Yeah. Yep. And so that tends to push things into other houses, planets into other uh, zodiac signs that changes it up quite a bit. Um, whereas like in East, in a, in Western astrology, I'm a Sagittarius is where my son is. Um, in, in, uh, Vedic astrology, I believe my son is in Scorpio, if I'm not mistaken. So to go from, I thought I was a Sagittarius my whole life to wait, I'm more of a Scorpio. It it, it can be a little, uh, baffling, but, but at the same time, as you said before, there's, a whole bunch of things going on with how these are interacting and, and a lot of like meta mm-hmm. shit going on where maybe it makes sense why you identify a lot of Sagittarius because you've got ruling planets in Sagittarius over here and blah, 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 blah. Or, or like you've got a really powerful this and that. And, and so it, it's, it's different, but I personally really resonate with the Vedic astrology. I'm curious what he would say about. Yeah, I am too, actually. Why I, he I don't chooses know. The Western. Um, I, I'm not sure, but uh, I'll yeah. tell you some private things off the air because I don't want to just like masturbate about my own birth chart like mm-hmm. on the recording. But sure. dude, there's some very mind blowing things that sort of like sent a shiver up my spine that he um, that right. he identified. So I'll, I'll yeah. tell you some of that stuff off the air. But I, the answer is I don't know. I, I've looked mm-hmm. a little bit into it too, just so I could understand. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it does shift. It just it does shift things by I think about like one one sign. I think it pushes yeah. me into being an Aquarius rather than a Pisces or something like that. I, right. I could have it backwards though, right? But yeah, but but it could also make ton of sense why you identify as Pisces because look in the Pisces, there's this other planet, and you've got a really high charge with that planet. So there is a ton of Pisces, right? Even though like 
it's interesting. It's it's different, but certainly I had that same experience where it did feel like someone was opening up the hood and could see who I am. And and I've had the astrology readings, um, a handful of them as well through Vedic astrology. And then I just bought the books myself and started doing them myself. And yeah, they seem to be very accurate. I, I personally mostly like astrology for the birth chart um, to remind myself who I am in a sense. Um, it's just every now and then I touch in again. It's like every six months. It's not something I'm looking at every day. But like every six months, I'll be like, damn, I haven't looked at my birth chart in a minute. I wonder I wonder where it's at, you know? And of course, it didn't change, but my mind has been through so many more experiences now that I might be able to make more sense of it after, you know, after having lived a bit. Um, so I love that. But I also know people kind of use astrology as uh, ways to choose what to do and what not to do in certain yeah. periods of time, mm-hmm. you know? So when they say like it's a Mercury retrograde, which we just got out of, um, maybe don't make a big commitment. Maybe don't sign a contract. Maybe don't end a relationship or start a new one or whatever it might be. You know, like people certainly are using it as a kind of guide as to when to do things and when not to do things. And that's interesting, but that's where I think it gets a little fishy and you might be reading into it too much and now not making moves because a, right, a right. place, you know, a planet <laughs> is in a place that's unfavorable, but like, Hey, now is the only time to make the move, but you didn't do it. Now you missed your opportunity. Yeah, that type of thing. You know, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it's better to put one foot in front of the other. Uh, it, mm-hmm. If it's storming outside, let's use this analogy again. If it's storming outside, is it better to just hunker down and wait the storm out? or still make progress more slowly. You know, like, yep. yeah, the winds in your face is blowing harder or something, but I'd rather keep taking steps. I'd rather keep taking swings. I'd rather keep dropping stuff because, yeah, I mean, I, dude, it's funny because we just got out of that Mercury retrograde. I made some insane connections mm-hmm. during that period of time, despite mm-hmm. that, right. if that's even a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I connected with Lawrence during one, which is crazy, right? right. Like, so it just goes to show you, like, don't, Hundred percent. Don't I uh, agree. don't act. Don't bow to the the challenges. Right. Yeah. My 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 good friend Payson had recently said, "Take the Mercury retrograde sincerely, but not seriously." And I thought that was a great way to put it. It's like keep it in mind, but don't let it be too serious of a thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I certainly during this last retrograde had a ton of tech I did too. functions, you know, yeah, a whole I, bunch yeah. of headaches. Um, but at the same time, by putting the one foot in front of the others, I still made a lot of progress, recorded some of my best podcasts yet and made some new connections as well and, and launched my website and a couple of things that it would definitely advise not to do, but I did right. and it all worked out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. But I wanted to say with, with the idea of as above, so below, um, I've seen in my psychedelic states almost us as humans being stars, being planets with orbits. And the planet that we are, or maybe where the planets are in our meta astrology, helps attract other people's orbits and stuff. You and I were in mm-hmm. an orbit and we weren't before. You know, like we we see each other every now and then. It's like, oh, we're passing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's me and Michael passing again. Hey, what's up, man? You know, and then, oh, we're over here. Oh, oh, we're back. What's good? You know, right. I, I see people 
as these planets, as these stars, you know, like not all the time, but in, in psychedelic states, I'm like, oh, so we're just as above, so below we're, we're, we're planetary solar systems and, and, and the, the, the other planets are our friends and our collaborators, you know, what do you think about that? That's an ancient idea, dude. Like the, the idea of people being linked to stars, like that's an ancient mythological idea that, um, you know, the idea that they even showed, like, I mean, I think I remember, I'm trying to remember the first time I ever saw a piece of media depict this. But one that's sticking out in my mind is you, you've seen Cowboy Bebop, right? Oh, yeah, I love it. Do you remember how when Spike dies, the star falls? Yeah, dude, 100%. And, and do you remember there's like the Native American shaman who's talking about like, there's that scene where he's like with the shaman and he's talking about his star and dude i got chills right now actually just talking about that because i I think i think there's some just like all these things we're talking about i think there are these ideas that on their face scientifically empirically make no fucking sense Mm -hmm. but sometimes when you hear them they just like rattle your body like Mm -hmm. there's some kind of like deep body rattling truth that comes with some of these mythological images that it's like, can I prove that there's a star in the sky that corresponds to you, Matt, Mm -hmm. and that your fate is somehow entangled with the star or that maybe you can somehow ascend your psyche to this star? Mm -hmm. I absolutely cannot fucking prove that. Can I look back throughout the myths of the world and show you multiple examples of that? I, I'm almost 100% sure that I could find you a young quote mm-hmm. to this effect right now about how linking human beings to stars as well. So there's mm-hmm. something there, dude. I, I don't yeah. know. There's something there, but it's a very old idea. It's a yeah. very old idea that runs deep. And it like, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, that... Well, I believe that is, it. I know I can't prove it either, but a part of me just knows because I've seen yeah. it, right? Seeing is believing. Yeah. And when I see it, it's like it, it makes a ton of sense. And... Sometimes one of these one of these friends is a near Buru and he just fucking goes away forever. But then he comes back and it's like he never left. And he's like, oh, it's my near Buru friend or whatever, you know. But it's like then I got yeah. a moon who's like my roommate who's like we're constantly boom, 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 boom. Like we're together the whole time, you know. It's interesting. Um, and certainly it's not a circle. It's definitely a wiggly orbit that people are on because they're going in and out of hallways and in the bathroom, you know, but it's not a perfect circle, but it's still an orbit of sorts. I know. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And I'd love to d- dive deeper into astrology in future episodes. Um, but while we have a little bit more time, just getting into the, like the creative stuff we talked, we talked about discussing with, you know, where YouTube is at and, um, how that journey has been for you because you, had been podcasting for probably five, 10 years. And then you decided, okay, like some, the daemon is calling me to do video content. So if you would just kind of take us down that storyline a bit, and and now you're seeing really nice amount of growth, you know, let's just t- tell us like, uh, yeah, what's been going on with all that. You know, that the grind has been, it's long and endless, bro, like with podcasting mm-hmm. and the growth is like, for people not watching, it's a very slow upward climb. If you're lucky, honestly, with a lot of plateaus as well. Like there's a lot of just like, oh, I'm growing, I'm growing. And then it flattens out. I'm growing a little bit and flattens out. 
And oh. I've been doing that for just like you said, dude, I've six, six years alone for, for third eye drops. I'm pretty sure. So it, it is long, it's grinding and there's a lot of upside too. I mean, the people you meet, the it, it's great, but parabolic gigantic growth really in my experience does not happen with podcasting. Like, mm -hmm. and maybe if you get on an enormous podcast, maybe if something you do blows up or goes viral, but very unlikely, especially talking about the kind of shit we talk about. Yeah. Long form is, is harder to get people into than all these mm -hmm. TikToks, mm -hmm. but yeah. But the quality is much deeper, right? And the people are way more connected right. to it that do connect. But so anyway, I mean, for a long time, like when I first started Third Eye Drops, I had full intentions of making it a video podcast. But the amount of work is just insane. It's just like there's mm -hmm. it's orders of magnitude more. And like, yeah, you can make it less complex or more complex. But to get it to a place where I feel good with it, it just it's a lot more work. So when I made the jump from the day job to this, I'm like, I have no excuses. I need to get on YouTube because you see the numbers some people get. And it's like, it's possible. It's out there. Like, you can do it. It's People are doing it. So I decided to start taking it seriously maybe like five, six months ago. And again, slow, very grindy, just to like get over the initial hump. But a couple times now, there's been just algorithmic resonance where something has popped off and it's like, oh, shit. And it starts happening and it's like, this is surreal. Like where you start getting, you know, you start going from like a trickle of subscribers and views to just like an explosion of subscribers and views. And I guess where to make this something that means something to people, it's not through doing anything differently. It's just doing what you always do and sticking to it and being in a place where that's possible. Cause like YouTube is a place where that's possible. Mm -hmm. And if you keep doing it and you keep adapting and you keep looking at what's working for other people, don't believe people who tell you, Oh, don't just, just create for you. Just do it. Just do what you want to do. Like, yeah, to an extent, I totally agree, <laughs> but you're making shit for people. So yeah. like, keep that in mind. Like, it, like I, I think I gave you this example before. Like if you're some, someone no one knows and you're out there making vlogs, don't expect it to get a million views. Like you need to be mm -hmm. talking about things and making titles about things that people care about. And you need to be making good content. Hopefully I'm making good content, but definitely you are. You, you just keep doing it. You keep, you keep honing, you keep going, you keep putting one foot in front of the other. And in my experience, it's doing something. It's working. The needle is moving. So, yeah, I'm pretty... It's, it's surreal, too, because it just doesn't happen. Like right. like I said, in this span of time... Like it's harder to break through now because of the volume of content. Uh, you know, like YouTube, when I first started, there, there was only, a you know, I was going to say 10,000 channels. Now it's 10 million channels. Jesus. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. like the amount of competition in the algorithm and uh, the amount of just content there is to sort through it or that you might resonate with is just immense. Um, you know, I, it's funny, though, because I really treasure when I can find someone like yourself, you know, who I can just listen to forever. It's like I don't need a whole bunch of. I don't, I, when I find people that I resonate with on YouTube, 
on podcasts, it's like I'll listen to their shit for hours and days and months and, you know, maybe listen to a couple people, but I would say I listen to like no more than five or 10 channels at a time. Yeah. And it's all about where I'm at in my soul's journey right now and what's resonating with me and where I'm at right now, what's relevant to me and what I'm interested in, what I'm learning, what I'm needing to piece together for my own life and my own understanding, you know? So I think when people find those channels like Third Eye Drops, you know, like it just becomes like I'm a super, you know, deep fan and more or less I don't want to say obsess, but it, it is like a level of, I can't get enough. Right. You know? And, um, but in order for someone to dive that deeply into someone's catalog, they have to have a large catalog. That's first. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have three episodes, three podcasts, three videos, people are going to get through that in an afternoon and just be like, well, I'm waiting for the next piece and I have to fill my time with something Yep. So they'll jump to another creator yeah, the, it or whatever. It slows the momentum down, yeah. It does. So so to have a weekly broadcast of time, of, of a decent amount of time, more than five minutes, 10, 20, 30 minute videos, that's where you can really pull people into your world and, and your channel and create those deep fans, those thousand true fans, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 got it's a weird alchemy, dude. Because like, I didn't mean to make it sound like it has zero percent to do with you by making that comment about the vlog. Like, it's got to be about you to an extent too. Like, it's got to be about you pouring something unique into something else that people want and are hungry for and are looking for. And I think that's honestly, if I from the outside looking in, like, why is what I'm doing kind of working now? It's like the alchemy of those two things. It's like all of the work of showing up for six years straight and learning all the things I learned along the way, plus a topic that people are rabid about. Like the the videos that are blowing up right now are all young related videos. Though I do have one pod that also is doing really well. That's not young related as much, but... Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's like it's it's the alchemy of those things and then using those things to learn and then hopefully being able to repeat and exponentially increase the success based on all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I don't have it figured out by any means, but I'm seeing the it's weird, man. It feels like I've been it almost feels like I've been planting a garden for like years and years and years and years and yeah some things have cropped up here and some things have cropped up there and i got a nice little garden and Mm -hmm. now it almost feels like some of the energy of the planting from years ago is like oh fuck that's growing i gave up on that you know it's almost like that kind of a feeling um yeah so yeah the fertilizer's kicking in and setting in and the nutrients are being well absorbed and the freaking tomatoes are fat and juicy let's go yeah i I hope (laughs) let's hope let's hope the garden keeps growing and it feeds i'm sure it feeds a lot of little little hungry wonder dippers totally i love it so where do people you know dive into your channel learn more from you it's been an awesome conversation man yeah yeah fun fun melding minds as always brother um youtube.com forward slash third eye drops third eye drops on all podcast platforms 
Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, third eye drops with underscores in between. Uh, got a Patreon, got a store. You'll you'll find all that stuff if you if you go down. If you Love go it. through the necessary keyboard mudras and uh, digital portals and such. Amazing. <clears throat> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. And listen to the Damon as well. You know what I'm saying? And uh, check out Michael's content on YouTube and the podcast Third Eye Drops. I think you're really going to love it. And thank you guys for being here. And thank you, Michael, for your time today. Yeah. Much love, everybody. Much love.